Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and it is a pleasure to be able to speak to you. My friends, the blessings that flow into our lives emanating from heaven and the glorious throne of God are so great and wondrous. I'm reminded of the words of James in James chapter 1, verse 17, in which we read, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Indeed, so marvelous are his blessings to us that if anyone is lost, it will not be God's fault. Remember 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where we are told, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes, we know that Satan is our adversary, that he has a limited sphere in which he is able to work, and that he is like a roaring lion walking about within that sphere, seeking whom he may devour. But at the same time, we know that God does not want anyone to be lost. In Ezekiel 33, verse 11, God told the prophet to write, Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? Second Peter chapter 3, and verse 9 makes essentially the same point. It says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. My friends, our Creator has poured out magnificent blessings upon us all, all men to encourage and sustain us as we make the walk to heaven. When you think about it, I don't believe that if I lived to be a hundred years old, that I would have the time to talk about all of the Lord's blessings and do each of them justice. But I do want to address some of them in this episode that are especially close to my heart. Let us begin by talking about the blessing of the home, the blessing of the family. In the very opening of the Bible, we see the beauty and splendor of marriage and the home. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, we are told, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The comfort, as well as the challenge of matrimony, can bless our journey here on earth and help us see through the difficulties of life. 
There have been many things that have gone on in my life, and I recognize that I was not alone. God was with me. But I must tell you they were made so much easier, indeed bearable, because of my wife Vicky being by my side. Marriage can be a foretaste of glory divine, and what I thought was a really neat expression one man called a God-ordained marriage the vestibule of heaven. Those who utilize this marvelous arrangement in the way that God has designed it to be used can truly glorify God together. My friends, so close is the relationship as God designed it to be between the husband and the wife that he uses it to illustrate the closeness of the relationship between Christ and the church. In the fifth chapter of Ephesians, we'll pick up reading in verse 25 and read through the remainder of that chapter. Paul wrote, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you also is to love his own wife as self, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. The family, as ordained by God, is a truly wonderful motivation in the daily struggles that confront us in the midst of a hard and debauched world. To share the love of God with our spouse draws us nearer to heavenly values and joys. Any society deteriorates when the home is belittled and no longer recognized and honored as the foundational unit. The heartbeat of any nation can be pretty accurately gauged by the structure of its family units. Almost all historians and anthropologists acknowledge that to be true. What an attachment there is to home and family. People who have lost nearly every semblance of emotion and sentiment can still be nostalgic when they see the little house where they grew up. Tears form rather quickly in the eyes of most of us when we are reminded by songs, poems, or paintings of the years of our childhood. In a certain sense, and believe me, it gets stronger as you get older. The sweetest words relating to this life are words like home, and like mom and dad. What a blessing it is to be part of a God-ordained home. My friends, we also have the blessing of the Bible. It is a great and gracious gift from heaven. Over the centuries, evil men and even some religious systems have dedicated themselves to destroying the precious word of God. However, it is apparent that God himself would not allow any cunning enemy to snatch the Bible away from us. God stated through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 and 11 the following, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. We can take a great deal of comfort from the fact that Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I'll tell you what, to have a standard that never changes, that is fair and understandable, that is an incredible help from heaven. What a blessing. I like what Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 28 and 29 from the mouth of David has to say. Now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are truth, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing may the house of your servant be blessed forever. What is true now will be true tomorrow. What is required of man today is what will be required of man tomorrow. What else do we know that is like that? Indeed, as Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Did you ever stop to think, and I mean really contemplate, how wonderful a blessing from heaven the example of Jesus Christ is to us? The perfect example of Jesus shows us how to live, what to emphasize day by day, and even, yes, how to die. The Savior was willing to leave the realm of the beauties to come down to this sinful world to show us the way to glory. Why so many remain lost in spite of the Lord's great manifested love is truly mind-boggling and heartbreaking. Every aspect of our lives can be patterned after Jesus. Do we want to know how to conduct ourselves with other people? Do we want to know the order of priorities? Look to Jesus. Remember Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 8 where Paul wrote, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves, not to merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Do you want to know how to endure temptation, how to handle abuse and unfair criticism and even persecution? Do you want to know the dignity with which to approach death? Consider 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 20-24. through 24. Peter wrote, For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, 
but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Indeed, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 tells us that Jesus has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. The Lord gives us a pattern, an example of how to live our lives. Perhaps the greatest ambition that we can have is to live our lives a little more like Jesus every single day. Did you ever really stop and think about what a wonderful and truly incredible blessing prayer is? Just to think of the honor and privilege of staying in contact with our Maker serves to warm the heart and lift the spirit. God not only provides us with this avenue of communication, He wants us to use it. Consider the parable of Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8. It tells us now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He is not far from each and every one of us. That is what Paul told the Athenians in Acts chapter 17 and verse 27. For Christians, faithful children of God, he is a prayer away. And he tells us to pray always, or to pray without ceasing, which is to have a prayerful attitude that is always ready to take advantage of the line of communication that we have with him. I've got to tell you, when I think of 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, I can't help but to think of how remarkably blessed our sojourn here on earth has been by him. John wrote, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Another powerful help from heaven a tremendous blessing in our journey is the comfort and joy of our fellow faithful Christians. In the midst of a very wicked and trying world, an oasis in the desert of sorrow and sin is so welcome, and that oasis is the association with those of like precious faith. I like what John wrote in 3 John 8, where we find, therefore, We ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Isn't that quite a way to describe brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow workers with the truth? Going all the way back to Psalm 119 and looking at verse 63, we find, I am a companion of all those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. Our truest and best companions are to be those who fear the Lord and keep his precepts. Earthly, Worldly friends, while important, 
can never and must never fill the place that dedicated children of heart to, children of God in our hearts. Spending time, and that is including time outside of worship services and organized Bible studies with those who are also ardent followers of this Lord Jesus Christ, just makes our walk easier. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. Think about it. Men like Barnabas, Timothy, Luke, and others encouraged Paul to keep on diligently fighting the good fight of faith. We are exhorted in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We are to bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6 2. The people of God lift us up, strengthen our feeble knees, rejoice in our successes, weep with us in sorrow. And there is one more blessing of heaven that I want to mention that truly keeps faithful children of God going. And that is the blessing of hope. Hope of one day going home to heaven to be eternally with the redeemed. Jesus is our forerunner. As we look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 we find, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. One of the things he is doing there is preparing a place for us. You remember what he said to his apostles in the beautiful statement of John 14, verses 2 and 3? For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When we come to the end of the way after our sojourn here on this wicked earth, the land of fadeless day is going to be so delightful and peaceful for the faithful soldiers of the Lord. There's an old song that used to be sung, part of which said, Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but oh, the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the King. In that moment, the hope of heaven in this life will be realized, and we will know what it looks like. We will know what it is to be in the physical presence of our great Father in heaven. Thanks for listening.